Podcast, your home for orological hot takes, taboo topics, and unpopular watch opinions. I'm your host, Brodinky, and with me as always is Schmidt. Schmidt, what is going on? It's going, my friend. How are you doing? How is your Thursday night going? Uh, pretty good. I really, I've had a pretty good week. Uh, I've got hopefully some pretty cool things on the horizon for the folks out there. Can't discuss okay. them yet, but soon. Okay. Okay. All yeah. right. How are things down by you? Uh, dude, everything's everything's going well. It, you know, weather's nice. Family's doing good. Work is going all right. And everybody's, you know, living the dream. So I cannot complain. Cannot complain. Good, We're good. recording another podcast. So here we go. Absolutely. And uh, I, I would like to congratulate ourselves because... As we are recording this, we're probably crossing the 10,000 download mark. So that's I love cool. it. Shout out to all of our Risk Cheese Radio fam. Thank you guys so much for, for listening, tuning in, and, and making this all possible. Absolutely. We're, we're Absolutely. growing. We're growing. Who would have thought we would actually grow? I thought we would have been canceled by now, but, but sure enough, here we are. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> you're, tr- you're actively trying to get this canceled? <laughs> that's fine. It's whatever. Uh, so, uh, before we go too deep in anything, a little bit of housekeeping. Okay. Okay, so going back to last episode, right? Because things for me in the past week have been full circle wrist cheese radio. Going back to last episode for kicks, I went back to the Omega forum. I found out that that guy got banned who I was talking about. No way. So that's fun. Okay, good. Okay. Going a sweet redemption. Going few episodes back. There was a guy I was talking about who was talking a lot of nonsense to me because I didn't know the difference between a uh, purist GMT and a... Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I found out he's still doing his thing because I saw his name pop up under uh, a Fratello post recently. So that's funny, like out of nowhere. In other news, I, I'm sure you've seen the posts that uh, Grant Sager got to mention on Joe Rogan. I did see that, yes. Not that that has anything to do with anything, but even just in the context of the episode, he he, the guy is telling him how Google spies on everybody, and he tells him Google to just put in G, and he says the first thing that pops up is Grand Seiko, but what the guy's pointing out is that everything else is a Google option, so like, don't ever name your company with a G, because it's going to get pushed right out of the search engine, (laughs) basically, but because Joe Rogan has searched that before, it came up, but I was watching UFC the other night, and he was wearing a Speedy. He has a lot of omegas. Nah, it certainly does. Cool. But my real reason for bringing it up is right after uh, that, he goes into a whole thing about how YouTube comments are toxic of, of all the um, platforms. So that validation for what we were talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Like, it's horrible in there, man. And he also says he doesn't read any of them, which I think is like the most zen thing on earth. Like, that's what you got to do. If you, you're putting you out have- content anywhere, you can't read any of that. And the other thing is, too, I mean, it, it, it's Rogan, man. And in a lot of ways, people love him. A lot of ways, he's controversial. And, and rightfully so. It's the reason why he has one of the number one podcasts in the world, right? We could only be so lucky to be, to be like Joe Rogan. So yeah. Maybe I got um, to start, start dropping some DMT. You know, I, that's, that's what I'm saying, man. You know, taking ice baths, eating elk, elk meat, and, and some DMT. Like, there we go. We'll just be living the dream. But no, I mean, uh, Rogan is a really cool guy. Um, he's a huge watch collector. I know he collects a lot of Omega. Funny story, um, for those of you who may not listen to his podcast or watch his podcast now on Spotify, um, he's actually name-dropped Omega several times. Really? He, he, yeah. I mean, he even gave one of his, uh, one of his uh, 
his guests on his podcast an Omega Moon watch during the podcast. Like he's wow. recording it. He gave him this watch and he's like, this is my favorite watch. You should have it now, which I think is, is, is pretty awesome. So I got to get on there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't subscribe to him, but like friends of mine who, who watch him, um, they always DM me when, when uh, he talks about Omega, which is kind of funny because he's always wearing it now. It's it's he has so many. He's got the Bond watch. He's got several, several divers. He's got a moon watch like he's he's really into Omega right now. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. I, I don't I don't check in with him regularly because he puts out so much stuff. But usually people will send me clips of his episode yeah. and I'll just listen to the whole thing but it's interesting man a lot of the stuff that like uh that he covers is really interesting i i I really enjoy when he covers the like scientific stuff and like engineering aspects of his podcast it's always really interesting to listen to yeah and he's just he's just a generally curious uh curious guy i mean i know people associate him with conspiracy theories and blah 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 but like if you just take it for what it is where he's just asking a lot of questions to like people who are in the know it's kind of neat yeah Gives people a platform, man, and that's that's it. Yeah. So other, I guess, housekeeping going back to previous episodes, but tying into new releases, right? I, in the one we were talking about, our watches we would buy for a significant other. I was talking yeah. about Bulgari Serpenti. They just yes. dropped these crazy looking Serpentis. I don't know if you saw them. These look like they're insane. The old one on steroids, like they are like super blingy gems everywhere. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're really bad. This is this is kind of like the Serpenti of like the 1920s, you know, like the just like this Art Deco era, just like constantly blinged out diamonds, glamour. It's it's pretty sick. My pocketbook still could not afford it. No, hell no. But it, it you got to give credit where credits due. It looks pretty cool. Next. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Aura ski trip. It looked like a lot of fun. Uh, I had a few friends on that one. Um, you know, sadly, did... I, sadly, you know, BJ must have lost my my invitation oh, in the yeah. mail because yeah. you know I just I just I didn't I didn't get it. So maybe next year. <laughs> but they did um, debut some cool watches on that. They they put out some. I saw uh, that bronze pointer dates. And yeah, and, the, and um... now with the full bracelet, because I know we had yes. a few bronze models before, but now we got the full bracelet. So I'm curious to see how that's going to how that's going to work out. Um, I mean, as you guys know, the, you know, bro gave away the cotton candy, right, last year. Yep. And uh, that had a bronze bracelet too, and it's it's you know we've seen some shots of it since it was gifted, and it's uh it's kind of got this real kind of like brassy look to it now, which is pretty interesting. Very, very. And they, uh, so they got that in a few different colors. It all looked pretty good. And also the pointer date volante, which is, it has like a special, I think it's like deer leather. Um, but it, all of them are in the aesthetic that I was talking about when I said, I didn't like that they changed it for the new one, right? All these ones have the cathedral hands. All these ones have the older, uh, date tracker on the outside and everything. So like, I was like totally happy they brought all that stuff back and the bracelet looks really good. And the cool part is it actually matches to uh, they did a limited run with Fratello. That was a, I think it was Oxblood with bronze. Yeah, that bracelet will fit that case, so that's nice for oh, those that's cool. If you want to, you know, sick. source that aftermarket. That's sick. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks really sweet. I mean, again, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of off on the, uh, off on the, uh, the bronze game these days. But regardless, it's a, it's a great looking timepiece, and especially on a bracelet, it looks really, really good. 
Yeah, I feel like I'm waiting for my entry. I feel like I don't know where to get in, and I'm not really sure if I'm going to, but like bronze, it's tickling me. I just don't know where it's going to be. Yeah. It might be that legend diver. It might be. Oh, man, don't get me started on that watch. You, kn- you know, <laughs> know that know watch you has me. That yeah, do that. You know that watch has me. Um, but no, it was really cool to see the the new releases at, uh, uh, from Morris. I think probably my favorite, which is not really a common watch, was the Clausone Enamel. Yeah. Um, the Aquas. Totally out of left field. Um, very, very, very cool thing to have. I don't know the practicality of having an enamel dial, especially done in this format on a dive watch. But you know what? I don't care. It's just really cool. So um, it's obviously an extremely expensive Oris. I don't know if you saw the <laughs> I didn't price. Check the price. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at it now because I just wanted to d- double check my... Uh, my my pricing it's 275 all right yeah as, as in 27,500 pretty expensive the... for an Oris. <laughs> it's a flex it's a little bit of a flex man a little bit of a flex so an interesting model nevertheless but it has you know this traditional um closet enamel dial and for those of you who are listening like what the hell is he talking about essentially it's an artisanal enamel process where the dial is created with these kind of pits or these little tiny like um, partitions that create an intricate design. And then from there, each one of those partitions is filled with hand-done enamel, and that allows a picture to form. It's a very, very old process that was used in traditional watchmaking. Uh, It's certainly not very common today, and there's not a lot of people that are experts in cloisonne uh, uh, enamel work, which is very, very interesting. So th- it's, it's kind of a, a unique choice that Oris went back to do this. So um, I give them kudos. Obviously, they have an artist that, that was able to do this, um, which is cool. So um, I think this model is limited to like, you know, 70 pieces or something like that. So it's a pretty low production, um, but I don't know who's shelling at almost 30K uh, for an Oris. I want to see if maybe... Uh... Because the manager of the of the Yankees is a big Oris guy, I want to see if he pops up with one. I I wouldn't doubt it. Right, he hangs he, out. He you certainly... catch him hanging out of the dugout. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm not he... a Yankee fan, but I I, <laughs> I seen him. I, he's on my radar. He he certainly could afford it. The rest of us, I don't know. <laughs> and speaking of can't afford it, AP Uh-oh. dropped their uh, 50th I knew you Royal Oak. I knew but, you were going to bring this. Well, up. I'm going to bring it up because I somebody I think it was Spanish Rob put out a kind of a, a feeler and it said what does everybody think the 50th royal oak's gonna look like and he he tagged me in it and so i like he was taking a bunch of people looking for suggestions so as a joke i said here you go i just took it i took a generic picture of royal oak and just scribbled like a pastel blue over it like yeah. haha turns out they dropped an ice style blue one yes. that wasn't that far off so no said, it wasn't it was definitely so i said i didn't to... swish but i i, I hit it i said it, it yeah. went in i didn't switch yeah. it, but it went in <laughs> yeah it, it's a uh, uh, it was definitely pretty pretty close you can definitely see them trying to capitalize on some of that uh that uh tiffany blue market share which i, I it kills me that the watch industry is going this direction but uh, I mean, again, they know what they're doing. They know their market audience and, and they're going to create stuff that they know is going to sell and sell very quickly at huge amounts with a lot of hype behind it. So, you know, again, can't hate the player, hit the game. But it's, it's, certainly a, it's certainly an interesting choice. Not at all something that I would have done. 
um, design wise, I would have come up with something cool, you know, do like a, you know, why does an AP do something crazy like a burgundy dial or do something like, uh, I know they've done some purple stuff in the, in the, in the past. Do orange like the gold doxa? <laughs> I, I just, I just come up with something left field, you know, that would be really, really, really cool. But yeah, I, they had some, uh, a couple interesting dials on, it's almost like a, a dial that fades out to black. On yeah, I saw that. It's on the gold model, I yeah, think, the that gold. they have. Yep. It's it's almost a fume, but you can't really say fume because it's not an enamel process. Right, right. But it has that it has that look, right? We talked about that last po- last episode. Yeah, and they also had some other gold. I think it one had it almost has like a gunmetal gray type of dial. Looks pretty yep. good. And then yep. I saw a green dial in there somewhere. Again, I don't pay a ton of attention because like the person who DM me asked me about them i said they're great but like they're not really realistic well he said they're not really and he goes why because of wait lists i go well the price is also pretty prohibitive but sure <laughs> yeah yeah you guys know we're just normal people too right like i i, I cringe and i'm like all right here's ten thousand dollars please swap my credit card do it before i change my mind yeah when i when i win my fight against jake paul i'll get an ap okay yes there we go <laughs> Uh, maybe he'll just give me one before he beats me into oblivion like he did the last guy he gave him a steel rolex before you gotta watch out though we've, he's been a, exposed as a fugazi a few times his brother's I mean, pokemon maybe. collection is fake oh dude yes we talked about that a few episodes back <laughs> and then they come out later on more housebreak uh more was it more housekeeping yeah uh I told you full circle everything this whole collection is fake i'm like oh and the thing was though i don't i mean i don't know if it was a publicity stunt it just seemed like he really didn't know and he spent a lot of money and i don't know if he can get that money back yeah you never know good just goes to show you ladies gentlemen children who maybe listen to this podcast anybody can get taken for any amount of money it doesn't matter how rich how famous how connected and how amazing you are as a person um if you don't know, you don't know. You can get taken. By the seller, as they say. <laughs> By the seller, yes. By the seller. Don't be like Jake Paul. By the seller. And lastly, among new releases, and this one's going to help me bring us into our main topic, the new King Seiko's dropped that I'm a big Ooh. fan of, but Ooh. not everybody is a big fan of. Bro, you are getting the ojo through the stereo right now. People are giving you the evil eye, my friend. And I'm good with it. I'm here for it. But yeah. so they dropped it in a few different dial colors. I saw that. A couple not so traditional, a kind of a reddish burgundy wine, whatever you want to call it, and a brown, both of which look pretty dope. I Between the two, though, I'm not a big brown person. Like, even if it's like leaning towards bronze color, like, bronze like copper. Not, yeah. Yeah. I'm still not. It just it reminds me of things that are unmentionable <laughs> and shouldn't be discussed on watches. Well, especially when you have a, uh, a small child, right? You see yeah, yeah. It's just not, it's not something you want to be constantly reminded with. I would say out of all of those King Seiko releases, um, suffice, you know, the one with the silver dial, which looks like the most classic yep. um, of them. It looks like one that was literally plucked out of the late 60s, early 70s. Um, I'd have to say it's the Bordeaux for me. That dial is awesome. And it looks so good on that case and that bracelet. It's phenomenal. Yeah, that one, it's got a it's got a pretty good hook in me right now. So we'll see if it's it we'll see if it sticks. But does it does it have you by the nethers? It's it's definitely dancing around the area. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's definitely dancing. I love it. I love There's it. There's a tingle. 
Okay. There, there is a hint of a tingle. Okay. You heard it here first. So we'll see guys. If but later yeah. on this year, bro ends up with one of these cool kinks, especially stickers. 37 millimeters. That's like right in my sweet zone. And, and, you're looks a, great. and you're a Seiko right. guy, man. Like this is like, this is your wheelhouse. Right. And it looks really nicely finished. So we'll see about that. But this is going to lead into our topic because a lot of people had beef with this. And if you saw my meme, I was clowning on people who they have so many gripes with watches, right? Like, and, and yet we'll, we're willing to shell out for watches that have kind of the same flaws, but because they're either limited or high, they're high demand, like we're okay with it. But then like the same thing that people are going to crap on the Seiko for, like, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's the same thing, except you can buy one of them. So what, what's the difference? I don't understand. Yeah. Anyway. Leading into the topic about sort of this obsession with specs and movements and things like that. Right. So this King Seiko has a 6R31 movement in it, right? It's, it's the next generation of 6R movement. It's replacing the 6R15. The 6R15 came in watches like the Saab line. So the, the Alpinist, the 033035, the uh, Cocktail Time, those had 6R15s. And generally those were cheaper watches. And so that's part of the gripe here. Yeah. The newer 6R is found in mostly six to like eleven, twelve hundred dollar Seikos, right? Like the 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 higher end Seiko divers now and some of their mid-tier watches. And basically the only difference between them is that this one has a 70 hour power reserve. They're both okay. rated the same accuracy wise. This one just has a few better components, a little more efficient. But so everybody's gripe is the old one was chronometer, right? They're also griping that this one is retails around 1900 bucks. Okay. Now, if you're going to make this a chronometer, the price is going to go up from there. Correct? 100%. 100%. Now, yeah. what, what goes in? Because I'm, I'm not an expert on stuff like this, but what goes into making something, qualifying something as a chronometer? I know what the spec is, but if as far as production cost goes... I don't know the exact numbers. I mean, because I'm sure all that all of that is proprietary for each brand. Sure. Um, but essentially, a brand is going to send their watches into Cosk, right? There's going to be a set fee, and they're going to send in a batch of watches. And the way this works out is everything's done, you know, unbiasedly. So they'll send in a batch of watches with a blank dial. There's no indication as to who manufactured it, and Cosk will test that batch of watches for its specs, right? And the specs are for men's watches, they're negative four to positive six. For ladies calibers, it's negative five to positive eight, uh, which a lot of people don't know. There is actually different chronometer ratings for men's and ladies watches. Yep. Reason for that is because of the tolerances. Uh, they have to be looser on ladies watches because they're more delicate given the size of the caliber. Okay. It's much harder to make them extra accurate at a smaller tolerance. I get that, sure. Yeah. So, um, so they are different, um, but basically from there, Cosk will test each watch um, for a period of 15 days. There are three distinctive temperatures that the watches are tested at for five different wearing positions or simulated wearing positions. Uh, and at the, the end of 15 days, as long as the watch runs within that tolerance of negative four to plus six or negative five to plus eight, then it will be stamped as a chronometer. But there's a cost involved with this. This stuff is not free. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. That's why when you go out and you buy a watch that has been chronometer tested, it carries that, uh, that label on the dial. There's an additional expense that that brand has to incur 
not only in insuring that watch, sending it at the cost to have it physically tested and then getting it back insured as well, I'm sure there's going to be an associated cost with that. And obviously these watches are going to be much more expensive than non-chronometer branded models. Right. So needless to say, that would have driven the price up significantly. Yeah, potentially. Right, which... I, I don't know exactly what the cost could be, but even if it was $500 US, that's going to push you over the $2,000 mark, right? You're at 1900 now retail is what you said. Yeah. It's going to push you well over, well over the $2,000 mark. It's going to push you closer to 2,500, right? Right. Or let's point, say it's a th- you're in Grand yeah. Seiko territory. Yeah. Let's say it's a thousand. You're at three grand. All right. Or very close or just, you know, very close to it. So that's an expensive timepiece. And there's a lot of other watches in that price category that you could get with similar specs that probably and, would be. And now we get into Kingdom. why am I paying three grand for a Seiko? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole nother ballgame. People love to complain about. Yeah. But needless to say, right. So th- this would probably drive up the price of this piece. And I mean, I don't know if you've looked at other chronometers that are under even $3,000. You're looking at like Tissot, Baum and Mercier. Yeah. Not a lot of stuff that the WIS community is all over, in my opinion. No. There, there's very few. They're, they're not bad very watches. Few. I'm not saying they no. are, but I'm not seeing them on a lot of wrist checks, let's just say. No. The only one that I own personally that, that hit that mark was my Doxa. I think my Doxa, when I bought it, was... 2022, I think for, for my limited edition. Mm-hmm. And that's a chronometer graded movement, but it was also one of the most expensive production doxes at that time right. before they came out with the carbons and the gold and all that stuff. So yeah, there's a cost associated. But if you're looking for that package with a super accurate movement, I mean, there are low end course Grand Seikos. Just get one of those. Yeah. Right. I mean, that solves your problem if you're going to be one of those but i mean even and then even then when you you think about seiko it's clear that they've tried to move at least a little bit up market with the name seiko right absolutely in recent years yeah as anything that moves up market right i think about even japanese cars remember you used to be able to get them for a song back in not even that long ago because <laughs> well, because nobody wanted to buy them because the, the the sentiment wasn't that they were desirable right the the universal the sentiment i i remember i, I experienced this growing up my parents, when they bought vehicles, they were GMCs, they were Chevys, they were made in America back when they still were made in America, right? Yeah. Before they started getting outsourced to other countries. And that was the thing. We bought American cars. Now, was that something that was overly pushed on me? No, but it was just kind of like the unspoken thing that that's what we did. As I got older and things started to, get to change, car manufacturers started to end up overseas or they ended up in different countries. The quality changed. And then very quickly, we stopped buying GMCs and Chevys. And all of a sudden, we started buying, you know, different European cars and different, you know, Japanese cars. And today, I only drive Japanese cars because they're made well, you know, and they and they are made in the United States, coincidentally, a lot of them. (laughs) It just doesn't make any sense, but it's true. You know, they're made by Americans here in the United States, even though they're Japanese, Um, which is very interesting. But i I think the sentiment has shifted to brands like Seiko because people not only understand them as a good entry price timepiece, but they understand them as also a significant player at multiple price points. And I think that's changing for a lot of people. 
Yeah, and I, I always I parallel them with cars because I remember when I used to see ads for like a Civic at like twelve grand. You know what I mean? And like, and my first yeah. car was a Civic, and it was probably I mean it was a ninety five, but it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that model, but it was not that far after. And I realize inflation and everything, yeah. but you look at a Civic now. I mean, they're up in the high twenties. Yeah, it, it, and they're not they're that. not they're not beaters anymore. They're nice cars. Yeah, they are similar idea. They they moved up market. And with it came the price. It's it, yeah. it's what happens. It's what happens is naturally. I mean, again, it's supply and demand. Um, obviously, the car market's really weird right now. Yeah. Um, used cars are going for well, well, well over their like asking price. Um, same thing with with regular cars. A lot of these regular cars are being sold without, you know, certain amenities because you know chips and things are on back order. They can't source them. Yeah. I've heard that. Right now, a lot of car manufacturers are shipping vehicles without like USB ports and and different connectors for like aux cables and stuff because they can't get them. And scarcity. I, yeah, yes, it was just I mean scarcity, but also just like you know other things that we won't get into on these types of podcasts. But it, it's it's crazy, it's crazy what's happened, right? It just but it just comes from a mentality shift, a cultural shift, and all of that's changing, and it's a perception thing. So now the Japanese vehicles and subsequently Japanese watches are much more in vogue within those respective communities, and they're much more widely accepted. It's no question why Japanese brands are going to start capitalizing on that. They know that they are desirable. Let's produce more desirable models because we know we're going to sell them. We know people are going to buy them. I mean, that's just kind of where it's at. Sure. And that's kind of why I always parallel those two. But... So people, I feel like that that similar sentiment is why people are upset that it's just another Seiko movement, blah, blah, blah. But like it's rated, it's rated plus 25 to minus 15, right? Yeah. And so it can fall anywhere in there is spec for this watch. Now, your ETA 2824, Salita 200, Miyota 9015, if you look up their specs, they all fall between, it says plus, to mi- plus 10 minus 10 up to plus 30 minus 30. Now I realize a lot of these are modified in watches and such yeah. and regulated, but like, that's not that far of a gap. No, no, right? it's not. And if you're and, wearing watches in rotation, you are never going to notice that. See, and that's, and that's the big thing, right? Everyone is so concerned with daily accuracy as if this is the only timepiece you're going to collect. Now, maybe it is, Maybe this is the only one. This is the end-all, be-all. You'll never own another watch. This King Seiko is, is the one you've been searching for and waiting for, for Seiko to make for 20 years, and you're going to finally buy, and that'll be it for you. Awesome. You're a very small percentage of people that are in this hobby. And even then, but, you, have, you have amplitude. You have different resting positions. There's no, Correct. Just because and, it's plus 10 today might not be plus 10 tomorrow. Well, well here, here's the thing. Go look up the specs for a Grand Seiko Spring Drive. And tell me what they are. Because I'll tell you this, they run a lot more accurately than the specs suggest. Even, even a spring drive. Their specs are like, what? Are you sure? But they perform high yeah. and way better than what they're suggesting. They get almost to plus minus zero, more or less, spring drive. Yeah. But Mine that's does. not what their <laughs> that's not what their specs indicate on the website. Right. I know because I've looked this up before. You know, it, it it's it's kind of crazy. But it's almost as if Seiko is over-promising, or I'm sorry, under-promising, under-promising and right. over-delivering. 
because that's essentially what they're doing. They're like, hey, there's a wide range, but we're fine tuning our watches to run you know, more accurately this way. This is this is how it's going to be. Your, your watch is going to run more accurately than what the specs are suggesting. One hundred percent. OK, and I don't know why people are getting upset about this, because, again, it's not a chronometer. OK, fine. You're saving some money. It's still going to run accurately. And chances are better than not. This is the watch in rotation. You may not wear it more than 24 or 48 hours. Are you really going to notice a deviation of five or six seconds a day? I wouldn't. I don't. Right. And I think it looks finished well. It looks like it has a killer bracelet. You know, the dial is going to be top notch. I think it's, it's going to fill that nice little niche between Seiko and Grand Seiko. 100%. And, and it's a legacy thing, too. Like King Seiko is an aspect of Seiko's brand history that is, for many people, long forgotten. And the people that really resonate with this idea, like someone like yourself, who is a Seiko fanboy and Seiko collector. Admittedly. And almost exclusively for a lot of your stuff, right? Like, I mean... I've seen your collection. It's heavy in Seiko. Like, let's be honest. You it's know, it's a big part of my portfolio. Yeah, exactly. And, and 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 for us, you know, we all start there, but sometimes we move away from that. It, you didn't move away from it. You're collecting it, and you've collected a lot of cool pieces. So for someone like yourself, this is a watch that I could see. Like, yeah, that's that's a that's a Brodinky watch, one hundred percent. You know, and f- for other Seiko collectors that are really into the brand. This is a watch for them as well. Is it is it your everyday mass market timepiece? No. For those people, they're going to buy a Prospex. They're going to buy a Presage. Maybe they buy a Grand Seiko, but I think the King Seiko is really a celebration of collectors. It's for the enthusiasts of the brand. And on top of that, right, 1900 retail. I don't know that many people who are paying full retail for a Seiko. So I mean, I mean, let, let, I mean, let's be honest. It's it's kind of the unwritten joke when you buy a Seiko. Like, well, it's retailing for five hundred, but I'll get it for three eighty. What, what's my wiggle room, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's my wiggle room? So you, you know, so you're gonna get it for what fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred, right? The yeah, price is coming it's, down. It's, it's kind of like a respectable Invicta. You know, it's like the market price is twelve hundred, but I'm gonna get it for three. So, <laughs> but needless to say, a, a lot of brands that come into that range have used generic movements for. Yeah. A long time yeah right yeah. even farther up the chain than that right i think iwc i think panerai i think brightling yeah. a lot of brands even still today yeah even still today i mean you look at someone like tag i mean not the tag is every every wish's g- uh, dream watch but they have some cool watches i mean the monica comes to mind but a lot of their early chronographs a lot of their early you know their caliber five all of those are modified versions of, of, of ETA movements or Salida movements since they've transitioned away from ETA. You know, all of that stuff is not in-house. It's, it's done to their specs, but it's, it's still based on something else that was created before and not by them. Now, that's a knock, but on the other hand, it's a positive because almost anybody can service a generic movement. Yeah, yeah. Theoretically. Um, Yes, theoretically, and, and theoretically, probably at a less at a lesser cost than if you have sure. to ship it and wait for it to come back. And at least I would think a competent watchmaker could service an Etta, a Seiko, a Salita. Yeah, so I, I, kind of nice. It, it it certainly could be. I will say this because I always am devil's advocate about this, and having worked in the industry myself, I will always make sure I, I bring you guys the right information. Sometimes, although it might seem 
less expensive to go with an independent watchmaker, a lot of times just servicing it through a brand can actually be better for you long term because they actually have the parts to service your watches. A lot of times watchmakers will will say, yeah, I can do it for this price. And then they go out and they try to search down parts and they can't get them. They're harder to find. The lead times are longer because they're trying to source these things. And all of a sudden price starts going up from what you originally negotiated. That is pretty common because a lot of these independents don't have parts accounts with major brands anymore because major brands are trying to control their servicing and parts department labor force um, and trying to make sure that their quality is, is synonymous with their service. Uh, so that said, sometimes, not always, it's actually more beneficial to service it with a brand because they'll cover the insurance, they'll cover the shipping in most cases, they'll service the watch, and then they'll send it back to you with the same thing covered. Um, and because they have ready access to the parts, it could actually potentially be less expensive. I would also think your your warranty on it would be a little better. Yep. On the work. Yep. And I would always rather have a warranty with the brand that made my watch than right. uh, somebody who serviced it independently. Now, for some watches, you got a 1016 Explorer. Well, you can't send it to Rolex because they won't touch it. Um, you'll have to find somebody, you know, LA Watchworks or some of these guys that are just like experts at doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You send it to that and you're going to wait forever, but you know your watch is going to be handled by a watch enthusiast of watch enthusiasts who knows how to service these watches properly. Um, so that's a very different thing. But for your average general, you know, maintenance watch, I mean, you can send it anywhere. You can send it to, to, to these local people. You can send it out to a brand and chances are better than not. They're going to do a competent job. Yeah, shout out to my guy, uh, Mike at Raleigh Works. He, he serviced my Explorer too. Did a great job. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about him. I've, I've never serviced anything through him before, but uh, I know my dad's, uh, my dad's date just is probably coming up time for its, uh, its regular interval. Um, so I got to find out a way to, to get that puppy service. Yeah, price was good. Turnaround was good. Um, I didn't contact him under my account. I contacted him personally and you know, didn't try to push me in a case refinishing, anything like that. So I respect. Oh, that. that's good. Yeah, yeah. Now, this is not a I guess our topic was not King Seiko. That was just no. a, a, a segue into the yeah, segue into the topic. OK, something we've talked about previously on the show is sort of this obsession with the over engineering, which, again, we we have an appreciation for. I think. Yeah, I think getting something that's super engineered like that is really it's a cool thing to be able to do. 100%. And, you know, wanting more than we need, right? We always talk about like the, the water resistance, 300 meters or super master chronometer spec or a 100 second chronograph, right? These are cool party tricks and neat things to have just to say we have it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit of a flex. It can be. It, it depends on certainly who you're talking to. Because <laughs> some people are like, yeah, my one tenth chrono. <laughs> you, got, you, got a, you got a one fifth chrono? Mm, poor. You know, it depends on how you communicate that at the meetup, but yeah, for well, sure, that, that, flex. that kind of bleeds into, right? It's, it's a little bit of a hobby of egos. It can be. Right. A I lot mean, of people act like their watch is an extension of them. Yeah. Right? It's yes, representation yes. of their personal worth and all that. I mean, it's a possession, right? Just like yeah. anything. It, it, it's mostly an accessory, right? You, you can express yourself a little bit with it, but most people are oblivious to it. Right? Yeah. It, it's not sending the message you think unless it's something in crazy gold and it's super blingy or it's iced out. Like it's probably not sending the message you think it does. I would agree with that. 
I, we've already touched on move, movement accuracy, right? Because again, if you're wearing in a, a rotation, mo- most watches that are put out that we, the community are going to approach are competent at keeping time, right? They're, they're not going to let you down at their job. Yeah. I mean, how, I mean, how I w- bad I would could say it be? That. We've talked about the generic movements already and their, and their acceptable window of timekeeping. They're not going to let you down, right? No. So it, it's hard to find one that will. I would say, unless you're in really bad, really cheap movements, maybe in the yeah. And events. again, you're you're you're. It's about we talked about this before. You get what you pay for, right? Like, I mean, yes. Like, what do you expect at two thousand dollars? What do you expect at five hundred dollars? What do you expect at one hundred and fifty bucks? You buy something on Alibaba, like you really expect it to be chronometer <laughs> spec? Like, I, sorry, I mean, I know Jory told you from you know to go buy one on their special deals, but hey, it's probably not going to run the best, you know. I do. And that's, that's kind of the point, at least with timekeeping for me. And I, again, I can appreciate chronometer, master chronometer. That's cool. But the average person, I would say doesn't need it. There, there is certainly an argument for that. 100%, 100%. But like me, there's also an argument for it. Oh, sure. I mean, especially uh, there are people who need precision time in the world. That's, that's a thing. Right, so that it, I understand that the capability, the need for the capability makes sense, but even when you talk about things like right, like water resistance, right? As we've spoken, you have diving experience. You said, yeah, you know, you only go down so far if you're a recreational diver, and then if you're a certified diver, you can still only go down so far. How many people are doing saturation diving? Not many. I I I would hedge a bet. It's probably not even a tenth of a percent. So more or less, none of us need. 300 no, you, 500 you, you, you don't need that and you don't need a helium escape valve like 100 percent. huge i mean and and there's a lot of watch brands out there that have insane diving credentials in terms of their meters or or death rating and they got the helium escape valves let's be honest guys the vast majority of us will never even take our watches scuba diving i'm again one of the exceptions jason heaton james stacy um uh cole pennington like there's very few people that will in the world of watches that will take their watches diving a lot of the times it's because like we want to because we're enthusiasts and two because we're writing blogs and stuff about stuff you know you don't know right but the vast majority of owners will never do that a lot i've even heard from people that they're scared to get their watches wet it's like i had a guy tell me one day he's like hey man like i just the submariner like i don't even get it underwater and i was like what He's like, I don't even wear it when it rains. It's named the Submariner. I'm like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> like, I, I was dumbfounded. But I mean, again, it's like I think about how I use my watches. And I think about how other people use theirs. And it's like, OK, it's like I, it, it tweets their own. Right. But we don't need these things. A lot of the times they can be marketing. A lot of times they can be, you know, you know, hyped up. But. For me, it just comes down to one thing. It's like, I know that I'll never push my watch to 200 meters or 300 meters, but I know it's probably going to be able to be okay when I'm floating in my neighborhood pool at 10 feet drinking a beer. Because that's what most of us are going to do with it. Let's be honest. You know, as opposed to the people who are complaining because the Pelagos went from, you know, 500 to 200 meters. Yeah. Yeah, because you guys are really missing out. <laughs> All of you desk divers out there are really missing out on that extra 300 meters of depth rating. I, I'm convinced any, the only people who really cared were the guys who are just mad at now 
the planet ocean was deeper of a diver than, <laughs> than the Bella goes. Maybe that's just me wishfully thinking, but it just, it makes, it makes sense. Right. And for some things like the, like I've, I've talked about how I enjoy moon phase. I wouldn't be using it for any practical reason, but I, I appreciate the, I guess the analog kind of vintage Marvel aspect of that, yeah. as opposed to something like a crazy split second chronograph that, who who's using that? Nobody really. I mean, I I mean, like think about like a flyback, right? Like yeah. flybacks were specifically designed for aerial bombing rates, so that you could accurately determine you know the start and stop of your chronograph, and there was no lapse in the time because again, you're flying at 100 miles an hour. One split second could be several distances in the future, right? Like yeah. as yes. you're traveling, right? So you needed a flyback function to instantaneously reset your chronograph without the delay of having to stop it and then restart it manually. I'm not an aviator and I'm certainly not a bombardier. So <laughs> I don't know who's using a flyback feature other than to troll your friends at the bar or at the local meetup. Like I know uh, I just saw today Houdinki posted in their shop uh, the uh, the Pond. I think it's like a it's not a type 20, but it's a. It's a chronograph. It was a heritage chronograph, and they made it in titanium. It's so sick. It looks so good. It's like 42 and a half millimeters, blue dial, blue bezel, blue leather strap, titanium. It's got an amazing movement in the back, and it's a flyback. I immediately posted some of my collector friends. I'm like, this watch is amazing. Like, I at at twenty thousand dollars, like I would I would totally buy this watch. Um, but I think to myself, like, I don't. I literally have zero usages for a flyback other than to just impress people. That's it. I, I, nothing else. It's as we talked about, it's a useless spec. And I know but it's cool. I know like some race car drivers wear chronos, but like, do, does anybody know if they actually even use them? I know a lot of them have brand. Well, I mean, let's just think of it this way. The most important race car driver in formula one right now is Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Right. Like he, he, I know, uh, I know the tag ambassador guy just won. I'm not a big F1 guy, but I know he did win. I think that that's him. He's a young guy. Um, I know he won, and he's an ambassador for tag, which is cool for them. But like Lewis Hamilton has been like a multi championship winner, right? Like this guy has won a lot of stuff. He wears a big pilot. And not a chronograph one. <laughs> like, like it, he wears like an eight-day power reserve big pilot. And he's had specialty versions made by, between him and IWC because obviously he's an ambassador. But, like, how are you going to tell me that, like, in your profession, the one that's solely associated with speed and timing, you're not wearing a watch for speed or timing. You're just wearing a watch for time. Like, it... it, it Again, it makes no sense, but it also makes all the sense. You know what I mean? Like these things, like I have a chronograph. We talked about this before. I have a Speedmaster. And I'm probably one of the few people who uses my, my chronograph function regularly for just things that I do, whether it's timing a laundry cycle or how long I've been outside of the house if I have to run an errand or, you know, I have a... Uh, a presentation for work coming up and I need to time how long I'm presenting things like that. I use my chronograph all the time, cooking, parking meters, whatever it is. I can probably safely say with maybe 90% confidence that I'm one of a very small percentage of people 
that does that. Everyone else that I've talked to in my career, especially, you know, back in the day when I used to sell watches, like, yeah, dude, it's got cool extra buttons. Like, I'm about that. Like, I don't know how they function. I don't need to know how they function. They just look cool. So I want it. Like, okay, that's cool, man. That'll be $8,000 plus tax. Yeah. I mean, hey, people are paying 40 for the white one with the black bezel. Just stop. Just stop. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't trigger me. I saw how you conveniently left out the post about the Daytona in our, in our post. <laughs> you didn't post it in the pictures, bro. I see that. That's it. <laughs> I did that yeah, conveniently. No, um, <laughs> and it's funny. I was gonna say when we were talking about the uh, the nineteen hundred dollar complaint. I'm like, have we looked at the market recently for anything? I mean, I know that's secondary pricing, but like, people are paying up to that, and we're gonna complain about a nineteen hundred dollar Seiko that you can get for probably fifty. Well, it's because it's it's because it's Seiko, right? I mean, that's I remember I remember when the when the sixty two Moss. LE came out back in the yep. day. I think it was like 2017, 2018. Everyone lost their minds. They're like, it, when it first dropped, everyone was like, oh, hell yeah, this is awesome. I can't wait to own it. And they're like, $3,000. Yeah, forget that. I ain't paying that for, for, uh, for a, a Seiko. And then they're like, well, it's basically a Grand Seiko movement without being in a Grand Seiko. And they're like, nah, it's $3,000. It's too much. <laughs> pass. Or is my favorite comment, Hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> it's like, well, nobody asked you, bro. Hard pass. Hard pass. So yeah. And I'm gonna give you my little gripe with the with the timing of cooking thing. And I've I've told a lot of a few people about this who are like foodie watch people. Yeah. Now I understand why it works for certain people because if you're not especially if you're not doing it often, having a generic amount of time that you know something is done in is good to have yeah but in reality cooking is a function of temperature not time yeah absolutely like like a steak you don't you don't cook it for five minutes right, right? you cook it to you a cook temperature. it to you cook it to 135 and you pull it right like it's yeah, depending what you want yeah right if you're if you're gonna well try to you should only be cooking it to 130 to 135 and pull it <laughs> if you're if you're really i mean like if you want to just like pour gasoline on it yeah sure why not cook it to 165 like just, just destroy it Right. And even like, like smoking takes hours and hours and hours. Yeah. But realistically, slow, baby, 275. But realistically, a time frame is not great because if you, if you don't hit that temperature, that 190 ish, and then you're going to have to let it run over, you're not going to be able to pull that pork or whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. You know, that brisket is not going to be tender. So yeah. while the time frame is a good thing to go by, it's not the be all end all and it can no 100 percent. i i mostly if i use it for cooking it's for cooking things long duration like a, a smoking is a good thing but it, again it, you're right you i still got need probes, your thermometer, right yeah i still got probes i still got ther thermometers for that but what i'm what i'm doing is because as you know like i mean let's say you put in like pork right or you're gonna do pulled pork or you're gonna do ribs you're gonna do something like that a brisket it's like an eight hour thing right depending on the size of the meat and how much you're making it can be yeah, even longer smoker, than that yeah exactly. Working at exactly it can be even tons longer of than variables that. yeah so you know if i'm going to use my watch to time stuff usually it's to time those types of intervals right like it's okay i know i'm going to start this i'm going to step away i got to do other food prep i'm going to catch a nap I, you know right. something that's right. different at, at six hours i'm going to check it correct right that's what you use. Or let's say you're going to put in, you know, a casserole, 
right? Where that is not really so contingent on temperature, it's more contingent on time. Then you could be like, all right, this casserole is going to be done in an hour at 350, right? Boom. Start my chronograph, step away, go do folds and laundry, you know, feed the baby, whatever it might be. Then I can come back and, and take care of myself. It's more so like that. Um, but again, like steaks, like I don't know who's timing steaks because if you time it five I get, minutes, I hear a lot of people timing steaks. It's it just because, again, it's just, you know, this is the, the eye opening thing that I learned. And not that this is a cooking podcast, uh, but this is the eye opening thing that I learned too. It's like I didn't know. You know, it wasn't until, until I started watching some YouTube channels and, 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 and understanding more about cooking, you know, getting into the grilling world that it's 100% time or it's 100% temperature over time, right? Because your fire could be hotter one day versus the, the previous time that you cooked. You could have more variables. You're not getting enough air. Did you leave um, the grill open or closed? Exactly. Did tons, you lift tons, it up too many tons. times? Did you vent all the heat out? You know. Are Same you using, thickness of your steak. <laughs> yep, yep. Are you using different type of cooking methods, indirect, direct? What are you doing? Is it different for the type of meat? There's so many variables with cooking. And we could literally have a podcast dedicated to that. There's so many variables. But um, the cool thing is, you know, I can use my chronograph a lot of times for, uh, for that kind of things. Like one of my favorite things, even though it's not cooking related, I cook with charcoal. I have a charcoal chimney that I use to start my, my, my coals in which you should do. Um, it's usually about 20 to 30 minutes for them to catch full light. It does. And get, it takes a while. It takes a while. So I use that. To, I use my chronograph to time it because I got, you know, other meal prep stuff to do before, you know, while my, my while my grill coals are getting hot before I dump them, I'll time my chronograph and go do other things. I'll, I'll prep meat more. I'll clean up some stuff that I used to earlier to prepare and I'm good to go. So again, there's a lot of usages out there. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy what you can do with these types of things, but a lot of people just don't do them because one, they don't know how to do them or two, it's just, there's other things, you know, you can ask Alexa to time it for you, or, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, my, my other problem is I get, whenever I've tried to use a complication, even a, a dive bezel for a lap time or anything, I get ADD and forget. And then I realize my, <laughs> I'm uh, outside of the window I want. I, I am I am so on it. I am constantly checking, constantly checking and fidgeting. It's just because like I, for me, it's the easiest way to to remind myself of things like that. And, you know. I there, there's been times where I've I've overshot, you know, like a bezel rotation, right? Like you overshot 60 minutes, but at least I know mentally, oh, crap, it's been longer than the hour that I planned myself for this task. Right. I'm now hitting almost a two hour mark. So even if I know I've overshot it, I can at least kind of mentally do the math and say, okay, I missed my window. How much more or less efficient am I because I missed my window? Right? Yeah. And again, there are, there are complications that have merit. I know. Like a GMT I'm does with. work, but like how many times are you going to need to track three time zones? I, I've never understood the three time zone GMT, to be honest with you. Two time zones makes sense for most people. If you're doing, you know, for me, it's it's not just travel. It's also like if I have business in other parts of the world, like, like, let's say, you know, I'm based in a New York office, but a lot of my business is in Shanghai. Like it's a, you know, 11 hour difference or so. I don't know if it actually is, but let's say it's 10 or 11 hour difference. 
I'd set my GMT to whatever Shanghai time is. So I know I'm going to send an email or make a phone call, or I know when they're going to call me, you know, that kind of thing. So that makes sense. Three time zones. I don't know who jet sets that much where you need track of three time zones. That's why the GMT master never made sense to me. I'm like, put a regular bezel on it and I can use it as something other than a GMT master, you know? The only scenario I could see that happening is let's say your business is in New York, you're traveling to Japan, and then you have a conference call with somebody in the Netherlands. Now you're tracking home time, Japanese time, and Netherlands. Yeah, that's super rare. Uh, of course, but super I'm, rare. I'm, like that was I was trying to figure out the ultimate situation in which multiple and, times and, zones... and and let's be honest, bro. Microsoft Teams will do the auto calculation for your time zone, let you know exactly when you need to jump on the call. So I mean, it's I just mean, like I can't, I can't lie. I know a lot of the time zones <laughs> off the top of my head, just from whether well, you, you are a better person or... than me because it's just like I'm just like ah, whatever. I'm clueless. This is also why I don't have a GMT. Maybe maybe that would change if I got a GMT. But I've really, I've, I, I mean, I've talked about this before. My wish list for Omega was like, I would really love for them to make a 300 meter diver GMT with a dive bezel on the outside, an internal 24 hour scale, and an additional hand for the GMT. And that's that another, be, uh, that's another like one Grail of those, those spec flexes, man. The, uh, the caller GMT versus a true GMT. Ugh. People are like, oh, you, I have a true GMT. So silly. So, so like, I, I, yes, you have a true GMT that you never use because you never go anywhere besides your couch. You having a good time jumping that hour? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so ridiculous. I mean, the things that WatchM gets upset about are just like the most trivial. It's like, we, we, can we just take a moment to just appreciate, like, we have cool things that most people just can't have because they're either cost prohibitive or they're not interested in them or they don't feel, you know, feel as, as if they're necessary. And yet we had to sit here and burn each other down. It's just like, Hey, well, your GMT, you got one. That's cool. But it's not as cool as my GMT. Cause mine does the other thingy that yours doesn't do. I'm like, what? That doesn't even. It toxicity. We talked about this on last week's episodes carrying over to today. Told you a lot of things coming full circle with she's radio. I, I, yeah, you know, we're about it. We're about it. But man, you know, and I guess, I guess I can't complain. It keep it keeps the, the fire burning for my account. I mean, they're, it's easy, easy targets. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean you, you got an endless supply of content. I mean, I, 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 I almost spit my coffee out when I saw, when I saw the meme you posted this week and everyone was just dogging on it. I was just like, I, I understand your frustrations watch fam but they're also completely unwarranted as i've said before if you don't like it don't buy it it's good well and then on top of that it's i mean okay. let's let's be real the number one driving force behind buying a watch is aesthetic i know nobody yes. wants to admit that yes you're not buying a hideous watch because has a great movement you're not well i mean let's just let's just say this let's just put a more human aspect on it without getting too meta if, let's say you're a single guy or a single girl and you're going to an, you're going to a bar with friends or colleagues and you see somebody from across the room. Are you noticing their personality or are you noticing their looks first? You're noticing their looks first. Then you're making the mental decision to walk over there and talk to them and see about their personality. You're hoping that the personality matches what you're seeing, right? 
very, very, very infrequently are we basing our decisions based on what's inside versus what's on, on the outside. And again, it's not a slight against anybody. It's just, it's just human nature. We are naturally attracted to things that we find appealing or attractive. And the same is true with timepieces, right? Like when I look at the dial, I want it to be like, oh, that's cool. This looks sexy to me. This looks awesome. It's different. I think it's unique. Those are things that are special. We don't buy watches that we don't like that are not attractive to us, right? And again, attractiveness is all relative. Somebody might like that Golf Edition Monaco. It's not for me, but somebody vibes with that watch and they really like it. I'm an OG Monaco guy myself, but there's been a lot of people that love the Golf Edition, right? The same way that they love the Golf Edition, you know, GT for GT, right? So... Attracting this is really just in the eye of the beholder, but it, it comes down to watches too. I mean, this is this is no different. Sorry, I didn't mean to get all philosophical, but <laughs> it just, it's just sometimes like I feel like we don't think of things like in real world at face value. Yeah, it's just like, do you think the dial's hideous? Yes. Okay, don't buy it. Do you think the watch is hideous? Yes. Okay, don't buy it. Do you like the watch? Yes. Do you want to own the watch? Yes. Do you think it's too expensive? Well, maybe then don't buy it. <laughs> like I don't, it's not hard. And even, but even then, right. Let's say, let's say you thought, well, you know, I don't know if even at 1600, it might be a little expensive, but I've been really hurting for a kind of an off colored watch or red or maybe the Brown. Yeah. But there's not a lot of opportunities for that. So doesn't that kind of intangibly make it worth it that I've been searching for something like this yeah. and it might be yeah. a little pricey for me, but if I can't find it anywhere else, this is giving me the opportunity. So maybe shell out a couple extra dollars and just get it. Yeah. I mean, and again, it's like, we were like, well, it's $1,900. It should have been chronometer spec. I'm like, so did you want it to be $2,500? And then you would still not buy it? Like, but the history, the history. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I, I get the history. I, I, I know Seiko is, is one of those brands. So like, like so many, right. That have diehard purists, right. There's, there are some GS boys out there that are cringing because it doesn't have a GS caliber movement inside or something equivalent, right? It's not chronometer spec, but I appreciate it for what it is, not what it is trying to be. And I think that's the important distinction. It's like, guys, just take it at face value, like it or don't like it. If you like it, buy it. If you don't like it, hard pass. <laughs> yeah, just... Just leave a snotty comment on, on the picture. Hard pass. <laughs> well, if they had put the date at 4 and not 4.30, then I maybe would consider it hard pass. That is for an entire other episode. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure we can't just do it? You want to bang out another hour? <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can do a whole episode dedicated to date positions. Yeah, we'll put it, put it on the docket right after the cooking episode. There we go. We'll just keep following that back. But that's it, man. That's all I got. What do you got? Yeah, no, I think that's all I got too. I mean, we, we, we've kind of run the gamut. I think probably the only thing we left off is maybe like the crazy coatings and things that go on watches. Mm, yes, the crazy people, people love to pay extra for those, tegmenting and such. But it's okay, guys. The coatings are only at face value. You can also, you know, you can, get, you you can, can also wear your... your watch and just yeah. put some wear on it. No big deal. Yeah. 
It's okay, guys. Dense scratches happen. Just just ask my uh just ask my I was gonna say, dude. <laughs> <laughs> just ask my one-year-old the most cringy moment of my of my day today. Just like watching my toddler drop my watch on the floor. Speedmaster <laughs> down. Houston, oh. we have a problem. Yes, we have a problem. At least you know what? It's still running chronometer, it's still running fine. Uh there's there is now a dent inside the case, but it's you know, it's her watch eventually anyway, so. I guess she can she can dent it all she wants because yeah, she put her own fingerprint on it. Eventually, it's gonna be hers anyway. <laughs> Look, you did this. You did this one when you were one year old. You dented your own watch, so there you go. Maybe you could pay to have it serviced. That's great. And I think I think the family moment. We could just wrap this up with that one because that's uh that's a nice touching idea. <laughs> there you go. I'm I'm with it. Thank you guys again for for tuning in. Um, and thank you for getting us to to over 10,000 downloads. That's uh that's pretty yeah, we, remarkable. We appreciate the support. We appreciate your kind words and your not so kind words when that happens too. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you guys to all those of you out there who keep DMing us every week. We appreciate the content. We appreciate the feedback. Uh we thank you for the engagement. It's been really fun. So we'll continue to keep putting on content. You guys keep continuing to gobble it up. Yeah. And we'll, we'll make it happen. Definitely. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we bid you adieu. Schmidt, adios. Take care, guys. Until next week.